Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. to the last word on Spurs, our second show of the week, free coming your way, busy, busy week for us on the last word on Spurs, we've had a bit of a break from the football, we're now back to look ahead to Sheffield United to come, lots of Spurs activity over the last couple of weeks, so lots to get our teeth into, delighted to have back alongside me, my usual guest, Ian Lee McQueen's with us, Lee, how are you? Very well, thank you, thanks for having me back on, loving it, and uh, looking forward to... Uh... Another football feast uh, all this week and uh, culminating with a massive game for us. So, uh, yeah, all good, Rick. Hope good, you're good. well, buddy. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Now, well, like I say, we've got big, big games coming our way. So, delighted to have Jose Munoz, spokesman, back on our last word on Spurs in Jamie from the Daily Hotspur. Jay, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I'm very good. Thank you, Ricky. I hope all the listeners are doing well also. Um, yeah, just really excited to have football back at the moment. Obviously, lots on all the time. Um, and Spurs making a, a pretty good start. So, yeah, yep. um, looking forward to this show. 
Good, good. Joe's as well, isn't he, as well, Jay? He seems well at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Doing well. I promise you we are going to drop that joke now. Just the ones. I had to, I had to squeeze it in there, Jay. you got to forgive me. When you've got Jason McGovern, one of our own, going the Happy Meal Kid, you've got to try and keep a fair balance to this show. Now, also, pleased to be handing out a debut on The Last Word on Spurs, really from one of our own in terms of we've got Dan on from Lily White Rose. Dan, how are you? Delighted to have you on to yeah. make your debut. Yeah, great. Thanks, Rick. Um been missing watching the games amongst my own amongst everyone so it'd be great to talk all things spurs on today's episode and i hope everyone's doing well great no dan i think we're okay at the moment here like i say we're looking forward to spurs being back we've got some big big games to come and every game now does feel like very much a cup final talking about cup finals winning trophies don't want to make it a big deal but obviously liverpool did wrap up the league last week so want to really just kind of give a couple of minutes to that because, I mean, many people will say when Spurs beat Liverpool 4-1, we can all remember it at Wembley, Maurizio Pochettino, Jurgen Klopp, two teams that were in a period of kind of transitioning their side. Spurs at the time looked like they were really heading in a real positive direction. They could have been the team challenging for the likes of the Champions League and the Premier League, but Liverpool... Kicked on, really? Was it smart transfer activity? Was it you know great managerial prolong there from Jurgen Klopp that got in that league? We'll start with you, Lee, actually, on this topic. If I was to ask you, Lee, give me the difference in terms of when Liverpool played Spurs from that game and what happened onwards. I think Liverpool only lost five games they lost Liverpool Amazing. since that defeat to Tottenham at Wembley Stadium, which obviously now sees them wow. as champions. If I was to ask you, Lee, to kind of analyse very quickly the difference between the two sides, could it have been Tottenham? Do you think, looking back, uh, as Crackers put so elegantly last week, uh, Doctor Tottenham will see you now. <laughs> I think you used it as well in terms of you know we gave Liverpool kick up the backside that they needed, um, uh, seemingly with a four-one uh, thrashing at Wembley, and, and they've gone on that sort of run. I think for, for me, when you look at it pragmatically, when you take the emotion out of being a Tottenham fan, you know, you asked me the question, could that have been us? I think we're on a different path. And I don't want to sound like Poch here, but I'm going to back that up with, with some, some statistics in, in my little uh, Tottenham Hotspur book, as I like to get out. So if you look at Liverpool 2013-14 season, they had Suarez, they had Coutinho, they were the nearly men. Uh, they lost the title by two points, the Gerrard slip. Um, very, very narrow. Uh, they were going to win the title. They were fantastic. They scored over 100 goals that season. Absolutely incredible team at that time. Very, very similar to Tottenham under Poch, um, you know, a season and a half ago. You know, we get to a Champions League final. They got to a Champions League final a couple of years after that. After Klopp comes in, there's a transition in, a bit of a rebuild. They get smashed by Gareth Bale's overhead kick in the Champions League final. Massive pain. Still haven't won anything. You know, getting labelled as as the, you know, they're not winning anything. Similar to Spurs, you know, on, on that way. Um that we are now. Um, then, then they sold uh, Coutinho. Then they sold Suarez. And and a lot of people forget that yes, they changed their man- manager, and they was in a transitionary period. It took him three and a half years to get into a situation where that they were that he rebuilt that side. And I think if you if you're going to make the comparison, which you've just done with Tottenham and, and, and Liverpool, the comparison is that Spurs now are in the situation where Klopp came in at Liverpool. We're not in a situation where. Um, uh, you know, we, we're, st- we're a stable club with five years manager and and, and back the manager and that sort of stuff. Our, our near misses of the league against Chelsea and the final, the Champions League final, are there's clear parallels with the 13 14 season with Suarez and Coutinho and them nearly winning stuff. 
you know that that that's the bit that we're in so we're behind their cycle so when we make the comparison or could it be us i think it still can be us I, st- I still think it is us it's just we're a cycle behind where liverpool are and then when when people are going to at me um at lee mcqueen if you want and start giving it levy and a nink and this that and the other and i don't spend any money we spent 200 million um, in the summer last year and the and the transfer window in January combined, uh, which is uh, and we've held on during that period of time to arguably all of our best players. You can debate me, Ericsson, all day long. He's a legend at the club, but the way he left the club means that um, you know people are going to debate that. But the reality is we haven't sold any of our best players during that period of time. Moussa Dembele, um, again, massive stat from last World on Spurs account this week about not winning an away game since he left, which is absolutely criminal. But again, you know people. People were saying, oh, yeah, you know, he was amazing. We shouldn't let him go. It was only 10 million. This is classic Levy. But as our very own Jace pointed out this week as well, you know, it was his choice. He needed to go during that window because the Chinese Super League started and they wanted him fresh and so on and so forth. So I think when you're comparing the Liverpool and Tottenham, I think you're right to do that. And and I agree with you. But you've got to compare it. And we're on different cycles. We are now in a cycle where Liverpool were when Klopp took over. The cycle has started. We've now got a winner in, a serial winner like Klopp was at Liverpool. We've spent the two hundred million like Klopp did at Liverpool, but we haven't spent, uh, we haven't sold our best players. And now this is the bit where Spurs are in now. Liverpool's first transition is where Spurs t- currently are. So maybe if you ask me that question again in three seasons' time, maybe the answer will be slightly different. Yeah, I mean, you probably only say the player that we let go that, again, fans were debating whether it was right, whether it was wrong, was Carl Walker. But and we know that for Pochettino, he wanted the player to play more than just being able to play twice a week. And there was disagreements in terms of his fitness and how it's long he would last. Point. You and, know I loved him yeah, as well, Rick. You know, you're, you know I mean, it's the first show player, you ever yeah. did leave with us. Is. I think the first show you ever 100%. did, you said Carl Walker was so so important to how Spurs went forward. We knew that team off by heart. You knew you had Carl Walker, Danny Rose at fullback, Jan Vertonghen, obviously, of course, Toby Adeverde in defence. You then had that midfield of Wanyama, Dembele, Harry Kane up front, Eric Dyer in midfield. I mean, you could rattle that team off for ages. Didn't win trophies and we have to move it on. The, the, the thing is, I know, I, know, I know that the other lads obviously want to stay on this as well, but just quickly, when you look at the pain and you look at the losses and you look at the failures and you, the no trophies and you look at all that stuff and there's pent-up anger or there's, there's emotion with all of us, right? And some people let it out in different ways and that's fine and I love that because I love people and I love humans and that's the way we are and that's why we love football. But the reality is when you make the comparison, if we'd have sold our Suarez at the time, they, they sold Suarez for 70 million or whatever it was. They sold Torres for 50 million to Chelsea. They sold Coutinho for 142 million. Don't, no one can sit here and tell me that Liverpool didn't sell their best players. Now, this is the giants of Liverpool. This is the mighty Liverpool. And they were still doing it. So, you know, when we go, oh, it's so important, we've got to keep our Canes and we've got to keep our uh, Ericsons and, uh, you know, Sons and Deli Alli's. And of course, I agree with that. No one wants to see your best players. But would you give up your best players now in this first transition phase for in three years time or four years time to be winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues. And look, obviously the answer is going to be yes for that. So, you know, you, I think it's a difficult one. You can't have it both ways, but when you're comparing Liverpool and Tottenham, we're in different phases. We're in different transitional periods and judge Tottenham in the next three and a half years against Liverpool and see if we're in it. Because for me, we're in their first transition phase rather than the second. Well, J.A. Steep says, if Liverpool win the league, 
but no fans were there to witness it. Did it really happen? I mean, very good question. We can try and pretend it didn't. Jay, <laughs> I want to move it on to you because I remember, Jay, one of your very first appearances with us on Love Sport, you were very, very you know, adamant in the case that for Spurs to really move forward and to rebuild the squad, <laughs> they would have to sell Christian Eriksen. Yep. In order to be able to fund, you know, this rebuild to, you know, have yeah. the chance to really go on like Liverpool did, they went and replaced, as we know, they went and got obviously the new goalkeeper in Allison. They went and got Van Dijk, and we know that Klopp already came to Liverpool with a winning pedigree from Dortmund. If you look at it now, mm. kind of twelve to fourteen months on, again, when Liverpool won the league, I saw on Twitter that the fan base really, again, it's that kind of case where they felt that one team had a strategic recruitment policy and long-term plan, whereas Spurs, in a way, we kind of reached the top of that mountain in terms of the Champions League final, and we didn't yeah. really push on. You know, we kind of threw away the years of rebuilding mm. in terms of, obviously, we didn't really back Pochettino. Again, that's another argument that, again, fans will say that was the case. Others will say, no, it was the right mm. time for Pochettino to go. When you look at the situation now, the difference between the two clubs, <coughs> how do you feel, Jay, about the situation? Both those two teams were on going on different paths. Look, Liverpool had obviously brought in a fantastic manager in Jurgen Klopp and they were kind of looking at more short-term. They wanted that short-term success. Spurs at the time, I think, were looking more towards the long-term. We are of the course, building the stadium and that's what we were trying to build towards. Now, of course, for me, the funds were limited and they were always going to be limited. When you're spending £1.2 billion or however much it was and the costs are changing all the time, it's very difficult to go and pump lots of money into into signing new players. So that was a period where Spurs had to be a lot smarter than what they were. And that's where maybe I think that Pochettino maybe let himself down a little bit. I think he, he maybe needed to be smarter in terms of moving players on. I think the example we always bring up is Sarex Ferguson. He was he was fantastic at, at identifying the right time to sell a player. You know, maybe he'd he'd sell a top player, um, but a guy that he'd kind of see that was maybe just about to go over his peak, and and that's where kind of I think Spurs messed up a bit. And you know, you look at you know Lee, of course, listed the 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 Coutinho's, the Suarez's. Liverpool, of course, offloaded them, and they managed to go and reinvest. Um, and and that's maybe what an issue where Spurs I think failed in a way. You know, the funds were always going to be somewhat limited. You know, it, it, it is impossible. You know, I'm not, I know lots of people, of course, want lots of money to, of course, go on new signings just so we can try and... Because obviously we were so close on so many occasions to going and winning the league. But we, I just, uh, I don't know, I just think we needed to be a bit smarter in terms of maybe offloading players to raise, to raise extra funds. Um, and that, that's perhaps where it went. But look... Of course, it was a very difficult period for Spurs at that time. We, of course, were at um, different stadiums. Of course, we had to move that to Wembley. Then we had to transition back into the new stadium. And that was obviously a very difficult period for Spurs. And, of course, that also meant the transfer funds were limited. So it, it was, for me, it was, you know, there, there are two different circumstances. Liverpool kind of had that free reign of, you know, they didn't have that financial burden of building a new stadium. Spurs did. Look, we're in there now, and now it's looking towards the long term. And hopefully, in the long term, now this this sort of um, you know the, the increased revenue that hopefully we're going to get from this stadium, and, and the reason that we've kind of built it so we can try and compete. Hopefully, you know we'll start to eventually see the the rewards from it. I mean, you know, lots of people will probably disagree, but obviously in the summer, as Lee said, we spent nearly two hundred million pounds on on new signings, and of course, in, that includes January as well, and in signing uh, Bergvine and then obviously Jedson as well. So you just kind of hope that maybe, you know, Spurs are going to start to have more money now. Now that we've got the stadium, of course, you know, with the whole situation with um, 
the coronavirus pandemic, of course, the transfer funds are going to be affected. But you just hope now that now we're in the stadium, it's going to start to it's going to start to get better the situation. Dan, let's bring you in for your opinion because there will be some fans that feel that Spurs simply stood still, literally and willingly allowed rivals to not just catch up but really overtake us. And again, it's that feeling where Klopp is exactly where Pochettino might have been with proper backing. Where do you sit, Dan, in terms of the fence? Do you feel that this could have easily been Tottenham holding that Premier League and even having a European trophy? Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I think I found Liverpool winning it much more chastening than I expected, really, given how inevitable and um, a long time coming it was. Um, it feels like a long time ago when we were on par with them footballingly. I mean, we were we were better than them for something like eight out of ten seasons. We'd finish above them. Um, but I think Jamie used the word smart, and I think that's what Liverpool have done all the way along. The easy answer is money and backing, but you have to be smart with it too. Um, Klopp was clearly a smart appointment. Um, I was at the first game, they played against us, and whatever squad he had it to hand, they all ran around like headless chickens, and you can see something special was arising. And I think the big difference has been is that where they've had a Champions League final, where they've had a failed title challenge. They've then built upon that and then been successful within a season. When we've reached those uh, finishing second, the Champions League final, that's been the apex. That That's where we haven't gone to the next level. And I think Liverpool were very smart in identifying where that went wrong. And then they were able to strengthen in the areas, uh, the reasons why. The, the defence was clearly a problem. That 4-1 at Wembley clearly showed that um, they strengthened getting Van Dijk, obviously, and Allison, And all the while, they've had a decent squad to build on. I think what's happened with Spurs over the title challenge, over Champions League season, they, everyone was completely exhausted by the end, mentally and physically. Um, and for whatever reason, Liverpool were able to, to build rather than um, go back to square one. It's true, isn't it? I mean, like I say, it's one of those where... Wait, what do you think? What, what, what do you think, Rick? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I love to... You know, you, you're a brilliant host, mate, and you always you know, pose the questions, but I want to get your view on it as well. Where, where do you stand on that, Rick? But it could have easily been us. I mean, I make that argument, but I do come back to what you boys have said that, of course, it's down to smart recruitment. I mean, listen, we put a self-imposed transfer ban on us over two consecutive windows. I don't think any team to not spend for two consecutive transfer windows. And you may laugh and say, because I'm, you know, I love transfers, but I think any team that does that, it's going to be very hard to not bring competition to your squad to really, really push on. And of course, listen, it's not all down to just the transfer windows. It may have been down to, obviously, Pochettino. We got to, I say, semi-finals and finals, and we never quite got over the line. Was it because we needed a winner? The man is in there now, Jose Mourinho. This is a serial winner that is known to win trophies. He knows how to win those big, big games. But I do feel... You know, for Tottenham, that it was in our grasp to be able to do that. And it is frustrating when you think it could have been us. But listen, Liverpool, they have been worthy winners. As much as we laugh and joke about the show in terms of uh, we don't want to give you know too many to other teams credit, you have to say Liverpool have been remarkable this season. They fully deserve the title. And I just hope for Tottenham that one day can be us. And hopefully it's with our fans in the stadium. I would think it's so ironic that Tottenham would win a league and none of us can be there to celebrate it. But I mean, listen, that's what we're all hoping for, isn't it? That's what we've got Jose Mourinho in here for. Dan, I'm going to come back to you. I want to ask you in terms of, we've had a couple of games so far. I mean, we've only seen our fifth clean sheet of the season in that win against West Ham the other week. But if you look at it as a whole, we've only conceded a penalty 
in over 180 minutes of football. Five out of a possible 10 subs made over two games by Jose Mourinho. How do you think he's handled, Dan, this first cut of game so far since football's resumption in the Premier League? Almost up and down within the two games. I was very impressed with our first half against United. Um, admittedly coming from the point of a Nadir at Leipzig where a three-month break felt very welcome, actually. Um, the first half was very solid. We looked improved. They were, we were defending as a unit. The front three, four were clicking. Um, players that hadn't played before, Bergwijn, Son, Kane together. Um, very encouraged by the first half. Finished clinically. Bergwijn was a real threat. And then the second half just came as a real disappointment um, when we had something to protect. And you're of, you're going to judge this team by the qualities that you expect Mourinho to bring. Um, and it's not necessarily a good thing to sit and protect a 1-0, 1 -0 lead, which is what seemed to be the deliberate case. And then when you have a nine-man bench, even more reason to be able to protect that. And I think we're going to come on to him later, but Tongi was on there, uh, wasn't brought on. Um, it's one of those things you'd assume where you're allowed to make five subs now, and that's something Jose would do. We've we became accustomed to him making three at one time, I think, during his Chelsea reign. Um, and we did defend well, and it was only a penalty we conceded from, but it was a fully deserved draw. Um, it was difficult, obviously, for all the players, given the break, and... Um, a huge game to start with, really, that pretty much sets the tone for the rest of the games, given United are the, and now Wolves are the teams that we're chasing. Then West Ham, we we carried on with a solid back line. Um, clips going forward, could have been more by the end. Um, obviously, very abject West Ham side. But I think that's why Sheffield United will be so interesting, because... Now they've they've had the games that they've returned. They've had a, over a week to to recover from that initial period, which I think could be quite good. Um, Sheffield United, obviously, in free fall, we don't necessarily, <laughs> in Tottenham terms, want to be playing a team that's lost the last three, but we'll take it. Um, I think that will really show us what the rest of the season is going to be like. It's a case, isn't it, of really now, with the remaining games, Spurs can't afford to drop any more points. You look at the table now, Spurs in 7th, 45 points. You then look at Wolves. They've played 32, 52 points at the moment. So Spurs are going to have to make up 7 points on Wolves. Of course, they have got a game in hand against Sheffield United coming. So it'll be interesting to see if Tottenham can somehow claw back those points to see if they can finish in the top five. And of course, if Man City's ban is upheld, that would be enough to secure Champions League football. Now, Lee, going to come round to you. Lauren Ashard asked the question, the club seemed to work so hard during the lockdown, and yet we seem so unfit and still suffering injuries. Look at the level of Man City. Even look at Wolves, who look even fitter. Why is this? And again, Lee, I want to ask you on the back of that question, you look at the case where Mourinho, he admittedly said against United, he was playing the game of wanting to remain cautious to be on the counter-attack. We saw against West Ham, I definitely feel yeah. that the side was coming together. You can see a plan for Mourinho. Players are starting to adhere to the game plan. I mean, you look at the case, only a penalty conceded in 180 minutes. We are looking defensively stronger. That's got to be with our Tottenham glasses on because, you know, you look at Wolves and you think, oh, Wolves have been amazing. Look what they've done. They won two shots on target. They won 1-0. Right? The, the second, yeah, they had 49-52 possession in their favour the last game. They won one nil, you know. So you know, if this was Tottenham, Twitter would be going mental. We're rubbish. We're sitting back as a joke. But when it's Wolves, they're like they look amazing. 
So I think you have to take some sort of perspective into it. G- generally, think that. Um, and and uh, you know, coming back to kind of how we how we've performed. Look, when when Jose Marino teams play the big dogs, you, you look back through history. Even when he's winning titles for Chelsea for the first time in 50 years and 51 years, and yes, yes, listeners, that was the case when he went into um, to Chelsea the first time around. Don't want a title for 50 years. You know, it's a very similar situation that he's in now. So you, you look at you look at Jose and when he goes against the big dogs, he, ne- he never he doesn't play expansive football against the big dogs ever. He always shuts up shop. He always goes for that you know hard breakdown, and he always plays on the break. There was, no, there was nothing different on the Manchester United game at all. I think that Kane looked looked to get the shackles off against Manchester United. There was definitely some leggy stuff in there. I'm surprised he played in 95 minutes. I'm surprised. My only criticism of the Manchester United game from a Jose perspective is why he didn't make more subs. So I kind of get Lauren's point around that fitness there from a Spurs point of view. But when we're comparing them to other teams, it's just because you know they're getting the results and we're not. If we'd have won 1-0 against Manchester United, people would have been going, oh, we sat back, we were shit. That's what, that's what they would have been saying. But, you know, Wolves win 1-0 against whoever, Burnley, and all of a sudden they're, they're really fit. So I don't, I'm, I'm not having that but personally. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of uh, in terms against West Ham, you know, I agree, agree with Dan. I think that, um, you know, it could have been more. Um, I, I don't agree with, um, you know, the mentality that, oh, you know, they hit the post, so, you know, it could have been dodgy. No, we, we was absolutely in control of that game, in, in my opinion, from start to finish. And like I said last week, Rick, if, if we win 2-0 every single match and play like that, I'll be very, very happy for the next seven games. Um, I, I think that, you know, you, you've got to look at that. You know, Jamie mentioned it, year, you know, uh, back in the Love Sports show, uh, a Tottenham 2.0, and that should have been under pot or would have been under pot now it's under Jose we're in a rebuild phase right where where we've had two managers this season we've had two managers like you know Manchester City haven't Liverpool haven't Leicester haven't Chelsea haven't Wolves haven't United haven't right they're all the teams that are above us we've had two managers right we've lost 10 games that's horrific oh my god you know that's like you know we're shit we're useless we're awful Chelsea have lost nine games Leicester City have lost eight. Manchester City have lost eight. Like I know what yeah. the te- yeah. uh, the point being is that you know so weirdly Liverpool have lost once. That's crazy stuff. So you know I I know that you know everyone can say well they're all above us and of course they are. But the point being is I don't think we're as that far away than what everybody or the majority of haters, if you like, think that we are. You know, we're, we're not going to set up against Manchester United, who have conceded two goals in their last six Premier League games. And, you know, they've got their, their big guns coming back and saying, we're not going to set up against Manchester United and go gung-ho. We're not under Harry Redknapp anymore. And I love Harry, but we're not, oh, we're going to have a go, lads. It's just not the way that we're going to be. And that's taken a bit of time, a transitional period for all of us fans to get used to. But the reality of the situation is that when you look at the amount of goals that we were conceding and the amount of goals that we're conceding now seemingly on the restart, you know, a lot of praise has been going on for Eric Dyer. I'm sure that we'll come on to, uh, come on to Eric Dyer later on in, in the pod, Rick. But, you know, he, you know, for all of the praise, again, let's not get carried away. He did give away the penalty. And if it wasn't for that, you know, again, silly mistake, we probably do win that game 1-0. Um, and nobody remembers the possession or the amount of passes. You win, you win. Do you remember when we battered Manchester United? Anybody remember that at, uh, at Wembley? And De Gea made about 12 saves. We absolutely battered them. Yeah. We lost 1-0. Yeah. 
That's the only one who remembers. We lost the bloody game. So I, I think that, you know, for, for us, you talk about finals, you talk about winners, and you talk about, you know, the, these next seven games are, are, are cup finals. And, you know, like, like we talked about before, Wolves and United and Chelsea and Leicester, they've got to play each other. They've got to play lots of tough games. Spurs are in that mix as well. I'm confident that we can get a lot of points. And it starts on Thursday. We have to beat Sheffield United, get the three points, move on. If we win 1-0 away from home and have one shot on target, not, no, no offence, Spurs fans, right now, I don't care. Oh, get the three it. points, move yeah. on. You'd take it, wouldn't you? Because I say every game there's a cut final. It's just all about winning. And Jay, talking about winning, and like I say, talking about man management and Jose Mourinho's substitution so far, I mean, people can't get away from that fact. It is only just the five subs used out of a possible ten. And I think many may have thought he may do this because Mourinho seemed to indicate that the use of the substitution rule in terms of having more subs was there for the more powerful clubs. And it was like at mm. principle... He's not using yeah. anymore. I mean, there was that argument towards the end of that game. Could he have introduced Tsungyun Dembele, who we're going to come on to? But if I ask yeah. you to kind of summarise the last two games, Jamin, yeah, I mean, you're happy. Yeah. Four points out of a possible six. A penalty conceded over 180 minutes. And I think, like you said mm. before, you can personally see a plan coming together here. Yeah, on the subs, you know, you, you look at how well we've, we've kind of defended as a unit and, we, and how well we are operating as a unit. You know, everyone's doing their jobs. You can clearly see that Sissoko is working really hard. Harry Winks is working really hard. The Celso is giving everything. You know, the two centre-backs are giving everything. And, that, and that's the thing. He's got to have players that he's got to come on and trust. And obviously, we'll, as you said, we'll get on to in a minute. You know, is Ndombele a guy that you can come in and bring into that system and trusts? You know, um, and, and that's the difficult thing with substitutions. You know, he had Harry Winks on the bench. So that was obviously a substitution um, that he could do. Because, of course, in that, that first game, Shiaiti, he worked very hard. He seemingly kind of sit fitted into the system that he's been playing well. But overall, I have been quite pleased. I mean, as Lee said, you know, we, we have really improved defensively. I mean, obviously, that has been a big issue for us um, this season. And we just do look a lot stronger. I mean, it's I think, you know, you, you'd probably go as far as saying that Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez have been two of our, our standout players and since the re, since the return. So that that's an area that I have been really impressed with. But Look, for me, these last nine games are about getting the results. For Jose and Mourinho, that's what that's what it will be all about for him, you know. And 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 hopefully, next season, once he again, once he's had another, you know, obviously he's had a a break to kind of work with the players. But hopefully, when he's had, you know, when he has that preseason and he's had even more time, then we'll really start to see us get going. I think it has also, you know, it's difficult for every team. You know, so obviously every team's under the same circumstances, but it's going to be difficult for for teams that are that are coming off such a long break to go to start going again and playing brilliant football. You know, we haven't seen, you know, there are teams, you know, Liverpool, of course, you know, they drew with Everton a game that, you know, maybe in, in a normal season, have they been playing regular games? You know, they probably would have brushed Everton aside, but it's the fact that, you know, certain teams are rusty and that's why we won't see the best of the Jones and Mourinho side at the moment. But, you know, as the guys have said, I think these, these last nine games for me are all about getting the results. I've been very happy in terms of how we've worked as a unit how solid we look defensively. You know, there's, there's times when, you know, we've, we've looked good when we've gone forward. Um, I think Harry Kane, you know, obviously we, he was a bit rusty. He looked very rusty against Manchester United. But against West Ham, he was, he was getting a lot more shots off. And, and just hopefully over these, these last couple of games, he can continue to, to try and get back to his best. So, 
I've been I've been pretty positive uh, with with how we've cut, sort of come back. We are going to go over a very quick break, and Jay touched upon it there. We are going to discuss Tungi and Dembele's future. Loads of questions who've come in in terms of Tungi, what the future holds. Will he start against Sheffield United? Will he even feature against Sheffield United? We are back after this very very short break. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on Spurs. Now, Tungi and Dembele, I think he's becoming a regular feature on these shows and people are saying why are you talking about Tungi again because we spent 65 million on this guy club record signing and there's definitely a debate in terms of whether Tungi and Dembele should be starting for Tottenham should he be on the bench and you know with the questions we have in we have to discuss it we've got loads in here from Brock Soccerball who says I've seen mixed reviews on this but I firmly believe that Dembele's future is an attacking midfielder not a central midfielder would love to know what you guys think unleash the beast and coys Matt Coy says would you play Dembele based off what he's shown for us so far not what he could potentially do for us. Jonathan Weber says if Tungi doesn't start or is a sub in spite of differing rumours behind the scenes, do we expect him to be using a swap deal in the summer? Morton says if we sell to buy being true, Undumbele would be a great asset to get money. Any chance he'll be in 2021 or will Mourinho sell the future to get some old timers in with a year left in them? So many questions on Ndombele. Steve also says, do you think we paid the price for Ndombele and has he clouded people's views on him? For example, if we were to sell Ali or Lo Celso, now surely price would be similar. If not, and you think he should start, which one of those would you be benching? So that's what we're discussing next, Tungi and Ndombele. Now, friend of the show, Alistair Gold, will be with us later in the season. If anyone saw his YouTube video ahead of the game against West Ham United, Alistair predicted that you would find if Ndombele didn't start the game or not even feature, a story from France would be coming our way. And to be fair, I mean, you couldn't make it up. 90 minutes, straight bang on the whistle. We had a report from Telefoot indicating that Tungyun Ndombele told Jose Mourinho in a meeting he would never play for the club again. Now, we have to kind of make it clear that, I mean, the fact that he was on the bench already seems to make that story a little bit hard to believe. But, I mean, it's becoming a familiar theme, this, Dan. So we'll start with you. Where do you stand on the Undumbele debate and do you want to see this guy play in a Spurs shirt? I think to cast a mind back to last June, I believe, or early July when we signed him, it was such an exciting signing. It felt like when so many have slipped through the net and others who've slipped through the net since, we'd really got a guy who other top clubs were after and we'd got them from under their nose. Now, immediately, first game of the season, he scores. He's, he's living up to all the expectation. And since then, it's only been glimpses. And if you only get glimpses from a 50 million plus signing, it doesn't feel, it's not, it's not really good enough. Um, then one sadly got used to the sight of him on the bench and not appearing. Um, and then under the proviso that he was getting up to match fitness, that was understandable. I think it's felt much more surprising in this period and there was lots of positive talk from Jose included about what his fitness situation was in the in the break and then for him not to appear not not to play one minute or so is just shows that there is a real deadlock there I think um, that and if you were him you wouldn't be happy either the what you want from him and what you want from a first season with a big name such as him is to get Premier League experience and to be integrated and to push on next the next season. It's it's very hard league to, to get used to and you don't get used to it on the training ground. 
Um, what's gone on in the training ground, we don't really know. Um, but to, to not appear at all, I think he's made 12 starts out of 31 games when actually for a majority of the time he hasn't been injured um, is incredibly disappointing, really. Um, I was at the Norwich game over Christmas where you could make a huge highlights reel out of him. And every time a game like that, you really think the next game is going to appear, he's going to do something, the manager's going to show faith in him, and it, it just doesn't happen. It's tricky, isn't it, Dan? Because you say there, in that first game of the season, if we cast our mind back, Aston Villa scores the goal that really kind of helps us get a win. And since then, we have just seen flashes of brilliance, especially in the Champions League. We've seen the way that he can control a game, but it hasn't been over a consistent period. And Lee, just to bring you in, I mean, again... You can overanalyse certain situations. I think it's very clear that on both sides, there probably is an element of truth where Mourinho hasn't seen enough in training. And you also maybe argue that Mourinho, again, with his man management skills, could have been a bit more clever in terms of how he's trying to get the best out of Tungyun and Dembele. I mean, listen, the guy broke the lockdown to try and get this guy back fit. And again, I just can't see Daniel Levy writing off a £60 million sign. And on top of that, during the COVID period we find ourselves in, I just don't see Spurs will, number one, get their money back. I mean, again, it could be an option with a loan for two years. But, I mean, the guy's clearly talented. And really, I mean, to really focus on it, Lee, that you look at, for example, half-time against West Ham. Jan Vertonghen is out there. And this is a guy that we know is going to be leaving Tottenham in the summer. And mm. he's absolutely... Yeah. This might, again, over the top might be, I'm saying this, he's working his bollocks off at half-time, you know, pacing up and down yeah. the touchline. I mean, Tungy, as we understand didn't warm up at all. Um, again, this might be voluntary. He might have been told to not warm up, but should he be doing more, Lee, to give Mourinho the impression? Because you do feel that if anything's going to kind of break this and for him to come into the Spurs team, it's going to have to be Ndombele really taking you know, it by the grip now to say, I want a career at Tottenham and I'm going to show you I can do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely, 100%. And I, I think we touched upon this last week, didn't we, about attitude. It, it feels like that's what it is. Um, I agree with Dan about, you know, getting minutes because you want him integrated into the team, into the Premier League. It, it's a vastly different league to, uh, to to the French league, as we know. Um, and it takes a lot of people, um, most footballers, sorry, coming into Premier League from the outside to integrate really, really, um, you know, a good six, eight, uh, months maybe of a, se- a full season so you know I, I do agree with that but I do think it is an attitude thing and I think that you know a, a friend of the show as you said Alistair Gold he points it out he's there he's watching him train he's just kind of languishing at the back a little bit you know it just seems like he's not that bothered you know that you know it, it seems like when he when he first came here Jamie um you know uh, one of our own and and Jace as well but Jamie pointed out he said oh he looks a bit chunky and I was like what do you remember Jamie? I was like, no way. What are you talking about? You know, he's a record scientist. Yes. He's chunky, but but he was, and he, he you know, he and he, why isn't he? You've got to ask yourself the question: Why isn't he getting himself fit? Why isn't he pushing out all, all the barriers? You know, you look at Harry Kane. You look at how Trippier's interview this week has exploded and talks about. Harry Kane and what a model professional he is and he's just different level, so professional, changes his diet, you know, trains extra hard. You look at Frank Lampard, why did he become the top goalscorer midfielder in Premier League history? Because he stayed behind after training. You know, all the cliche things, but that's what it takes. You know, I, I say to my kids, right, I've got three girls, I've got twins at six and I've got my eldest who's eight. I say to him, practice makes perfect. You know, it's just a general, normal, basic thing, isn't it? Keep practicing, keep getting good. And I just think, I feel that with, with Tungandumbele, he, he he's not bothered. 
That's what it feels like he's not bothered. Then there's almost an easy excuse to lay it at Mourinho's door because it's Jose and he's got form and he's done it. And I pointed out last week, he's done it with this person, that person, Lukaku. Uh, and he's done it with, you know, with Lukaku was at Chelsea and he got rid of him because he missed that penalty. You know, Joe Cole, when he first went there, you know, he's laid it down with Pogba most recently. You know, he let Salah go, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, he's got, he's got form. So it's easy to lay that at his doorstep. But let's rewind was he performing for Potticino? Potticino was the guy that signed him. He, you know, he was managing 60 minutes here and 48 minutes there and coming off with a bit of a leg thigh injury. And, you know, again, it's, it, so there's, there's a, a thing that when a disaster strikes, it's not just one thing. It's, a, it's an amalgamation of things. It's not, it's not just one, not one key thing. It's like five or six different things that brings that disaster to happen. And, and I think that's what it is with Tungo and Dumbele, if it's going to be a disaster. You know, j- just on the Levy side of things, will he let him go? You know, you can't say... You know, people will criticise our football club. Don't care which side you're on, Levy in or Levy out. That's not the debate. What I'm, tra- what I'm talking about here is they criticise our club for letting our best players go. But, but if we could let Tungum Dembele go to Barcelona for 70 million quid and then go and buy two people for the positions that Mourinho needs and then we're in transition phase two like Liverpool are right now, isn't that better? That is what happened with Klopp, Coutinho and the whole um, Suarez scenario. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So, so you know, I, I can't remember who, who it was that, that, with the listener question, but they make a really good point. Now, if, if we can get 65, 70 million for Tungo and Dembele, bearing in mind that he ain't even really played for us. As Dan just said, he's had 12 appearances or whatever. You know, the reality of the situation is that maybe we get somebody in that is going to wear the shirt, is going to show us what they can do, and actually is going to affect the team. Because I don't think there's nothing's in doubt in terms of this guy's ability. But, but if he's on the bench or he's not wanting to play, he can, have all, he can be messy, but he's no good to us. It's, it's funny you say that, Lee, because, again, it's a case where, you know, we just say he's on the bench and you'd argue at the moment Spurs Spurs are looking defensively tighter as a unit. And you look at maybe players that have had to kind of, it hasn't happened for them in the first season, Jay, just to bring you in here with the likes of Hummin Son. I mean, Muta Sissoko, dare I say, even Gareth Bale, that it never happened straight away for these guys in their first season. Mm. Is there not an argument to say, look, give him until the summer, give him a pre-season yeah. and... Again, we might just see the best out of him. I just can't quite understand how we can already, you know, eight, nine months down the line, yeah. almost write him off. I just think there's a... I, I hate to say it, I honestly feel if we let this guy go, I can see him turning up at yeah. a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich or a Real Madrid and being an absolute baller. And I know it might be a bit OTT from the glimpses I've seen of him, but I do think he's that good. Mm. And I personally think he's worth persisting with, Jay. Where, where do you sit on it? If it actually is an attitude problem, then that's when you have to sell. You know, it, it, I think that that, that is, has to be the case. If it, if it is really a case of he, he doesn't have the attitude to kind of um, apply himself to become and unlock that potential, then he's maybe a player that you have to move on. But I actually, I've got a slightly different take on it. And, and for me, I, I feel as though it's maybe it's slightly tactical. Maybe I'm kind of kidding myself because I'm so desperate for Tommy and Dombele to, to come in and succeed at Tottenham because, as the guys have said and you've said, you know, he looks just such a good player. But but for me, I kind of feel as though it's maybe it's slightly tactical from Jose Mourinho at the moment. I think as, you know, as I said on the substitutes, you know, maybe he hasn't used all his substitutes and everyone that he's got on the bench and, and, and just going and using those five subs because he wants players on the pitch that he can trust. You know, you look at how well drilled we are defensively. He needs to be able to trust those players to go and do the jobs and, 
and, and, and work really hard defensively. And maybe you'd question right now, is Tongi and Nombele someone that you trust to, to go and um, really put in a, a shift defensively? So I think there's, though, at the moment, maybe, you know, it does it come down to fitness? Because, you know, Jose Mourinho is obviously, you know, as we've said, he, he's really kind of praised Tongi over the break in terms of how well he's kind of applied himself in, in getting fit. And, you know, we've seen him in the training pictures. He looks in really good shape. So maybe I'd question, is it is it actually to do with fitness or is it to do with maybe a tactical side? And he's he's decided, look, the Celso has done a fantastic job. Sissoko, Winks, and those are players that I can trust. And maybe at the moment, Tongi's not a guy that he can trust at the moment. Um, at the moment, you know, as we said, these games are all about winning. And, you know, Ndombele might be one of our best players and a guy we want going forward long term. But these games are about winning these games. So at the moment, it's about who we can trust to fit in that system, to work really hard, to do their roles properly. And maybe you'd question whether Tongi Ndombele is capable of doing those defensive roles at the moment. So, you know, as I said, maybe I'm kidding myself. Um, you know, I'm, de- as I said, I'm desperate for him to succeed. But that's just kind of my take. I, I just feel maybe it's a tactical reason at the moment. That he's not really getting involved. And, and, you know, could he have been brought on in those games? You know, the United game. You know, potentially, you know, you see the way he can unlock a game. For even five you know, minutes, Jay, could he have come on for five minutes against West Ham, for example? The game's at 2-0. <sighs> would it, would it have been the worst thing in the world to introduce him on the basis that, you know, if you bring him on yeah. for at least five, ten minutes, it almost shuts down these rumours that he'll never play for Mourinho again. And it's almost like, you yeah. know, you kind of dampen any speculation <laughs> there needs to be if you just bring him on for five minutes. Just yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, no, I, I do. I mean, I, I don't know whether, you know, whether a manager would look at it like that, whether he'd necessarily think, you know, yeah. I, I want to shut down rumours. Especially, un- Especially this I, one. Especially this one. Yes, I, 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 you know, I, I totally understand that. But, you know, I, as I said, you know, would a manager look at it like that? Does he feel as though he needs to kind of make that statement? Hmm. You know, he, he'll, he'll be telling Tongi and Dombele, you know, it doesn't matter what the press is saying. It's what he's saying to Tongi and Dombele. And if he's saying the right stuff, then brilliant. Um, I really wanted to succeed, but yeah, as I said, my, my take on it is that hopefully it's a tactical reason. You know, in, in those West Ham game and the United game, they were obviously very tight still in the latter stages. You know, we scored late on to make it 2-0 against West Ham. So as you said, you know, would have got limited time against Manchester United. Of course, it was very tight at the end. So, you know, as I said, it comes back to trust. Do you trust Ndombele right now to kind of do his job and and be really good defensively. So, yeah, uh, for me, it's, you know, I, I, at the moment, I kind of think it might be a tactical decision. Yeah. I mean, listen, we might know more. Tungi and Dembele's situation, it's ongoing at the moment, isn't it? But Jose Mourinho will hold a virtual press conference later in the week before the Sheffield United game over Zoom with some journalists. And, of course, Alistair Gold will be there. So, we may know some more in terms of Tungi and Dembele and whether we'll start against Sheffield United. And we're also going to do the preview later be interested to see if the boys have him in their team. Now, we have had some news in terms of contract extensions over the last week or so. We know Jan Vertonghen has signed an extension up until the end of this current season. Jan is expected to obviously leave the club at the end of this season. I'm sure we'll be introducing or bringing to you a tribute once Jan departs. He's been a wonderful servant. He has yet to be used by Jose Mourinho since the Premier League return, but will likely get some game time as the games do come thick and fast every three days after next week for Tottenham. So you expect Jan Vertonghen to get games, despite how good so far that partnership, that central pairing of Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer have been. But I think the main extension to catch the headlines in these last couple of days is that of Mauricio Pochettino, and that is the son of 
the father of Maurizio. And I mean, Dan, I'll start with you. I mean, as we saw, the former Spurs boss, Maurizio Pochettino, still wearing his club kit, as we put it, eight months on after leaving the club. And his son has just recently signed a new contract. I mean, Dan, tell us, is this getting slightly weird now, this obsession with Tottenham? Or do you just kind of take it as though he just loves this club so much that he can't wait to come back to us? <laughs> yeah, we've seen his T-shirt. We've seen his barbecue now. Um, that says the magic that he brings. I think as, until, until he is at a new club he's going to be completely attached to us still um he was genuine all along that's why the fans loved him so much um he's obviously proud of his son and his, his son's remaining at the club I think that's that's quite a big statement as well he's not only there because his dad was the boss um he does feel like he's one of those managers that a lot of other clubs have that is going to have more than one stint I don't know when it will be um he it really felt like he needed a break by the end, um, he's had a break now. I won't say that he, he should come back yet, but um, it's a very sweet thing to see. It's very innocent. Um, I'm sure if that T-shirt hasn't been on the shelves before the mega store opens again, Levy will make sure that, that it's back there um, <laughs> because it's been quite a nice story for everyone to see. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. But I, I would be amazed if he doesn't return one day. Lee McQueen, I know you're a hopeless romantic, and I know you've still got this love oh, yeah. attachment to Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, listen, we we all loved him. I mean, if anyone listened to our show again, I think at the time of him going, there was a definitive split amongst our panel. There definitely was. You know, some felt it was the right time for Maurizio to go. Others, as you said, Lee, you would have kept him down to League Two. But I mean, I want to ask you, mm. Lee, that. If this was Jose Mourinho and not Pochettino doing what he's doing now, is this a sign of disrespect towards Mourinho being in charge? Or, I mean, do you feel it's just now for him, it's nah. an obsession where he's got the Tottenham, the, the Tottenham love, he can't let it go, and he does honestly feel one day he'll be back. But, I mean, it's, it's very strange, I've got to be honest here. Eight months on, still in the club's kit. What, what do you make of it? I think maybe he likes the colour of the T-shirt and he's got a load of them, so you may as well wear them. <laughs> it, might, it might just be that. Um, no, I mean, look, I do, I do love the fella. Um, I think what he's done, what he, what he did for our club, and I've said this many times and I'll say it again because it resonates with so many fans and, and our listeners, is that he put the pride back into Tottenham. I, I was proud to, you know, I started wearing replica shirts again, you know, not just to games, but just, you know, that I was happy to, to wear a replica shirt and you know, I'm not. I'm not going to mince my words. I, I wouldn't have done that before. Um, you know, I was proud to be to Tottenham when people say, "Who do you support?" And I say, "I'm Tottenham Hotspur." Ah, oh, but you know, yeah, you great uh, played great football, and you know, it was a fantastic time to be to be a Tottenham to, to be a Tottenham fan. And 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 Maurizio Pochettino brought that back to us. You know, the, the the image that you love so much as well, Rick. You post it all, all the time on uh, on the last World on Spurs account. Is that you know that that last day at White Hart Lane and Pochettino's oh, yeah. looking up emotional. like a yeah. like a father, and it's massively yeah. emotional. It's, yeah. you know, everyone connected to the club. He he, he gets us. He, he is us. That's the point. But but there is part of me now that, that looks at this, and I don't think it's disrespectful to Jose at all. Um, you know, I think the fact that he is wearing the shirt and he's you know he's got these pictures and stuff—it's massively fond memories. I agree with Dan; he will be back. I, I've actually always said from day one when Mourinho was appointed as an interim manager, he's never he's never stayed at a club longer than three and a half years. 
Um, so you know, if we if we can get if we can get three years out of Mourinho and he wins us trophies that we're all longing for, um, I, I think Poch could be back sooner rather than later. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that you know, three three and a half years time, you could see Poch. I, I would like to see. Potticino go away and win load of stuff with a PSG um, or, or somebody like that so so he gets over the line himself and the team Tottenham team get over the line with Jose and he gets over the line with, with us and look if Jose gets over the line and it's a match made in um, a, 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 um, in heaven a married made in heaven whatever bloody I can't get my words out then um, you know fine if, if, Pot, uh, if Jose stays for 10 years brilliant but I, I just can't see that happening so I, I do see Poch coming back and it's very difficult. Crackers was on last week. It was absolutely brilliant when he went, you know, like some of the analogies. I'm yeah. not going to try and, you know, copy a Crackers analogy here because I'll just fail miserably. But he, he did talk about kind of, you know, the, the, the love affair side when Poch, you know, the emotion and, you know, it was like, you know, dating a bird, you know, or, or a lady from my beef or whatever it might be. Now it feels like you're just at home with a three-bedroom semi, you know, in a three-bedroom semi or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, if you flip that, you know, may, maybe this is a time where we're going to go and have a bit of fun and we're going to go and like, let our air down and go and win some trophies and batter some teams and do that sort of stuff and we, we do it the Joso way and then we go back to our, the, the, the love affair, which is the Pochettino era and, and hopefully he can, he, he can come back. But, you know, look, Congratulations to uh, again. I, I agree with what you said. Congratulations to his son, um, you know, for signing a new deal. It, it clearly, he's got talent because otherwise he wouldn't be. Um, you know, Dan would know more about this with Lily White Rose, but you know, clearly he's got talent because otherwise we wouldn't be re-signing. It's nothing to do with just his dad being the manager. And uh, you know, good, good luck to him. I hope we see him soon in the you know in and around the first team. But I do love Poch, and I think that you know. The good things can come from that, but we'll just have to wait a few more years. Yeah, that's, that's Spurs fans for you, isn't it? It's coming. You just have to wait a few more years. You just have to wait a few more years, and this one's no no different, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, let's hope between this period there's a lot of trophies. I think that's what we've all been uh, craving. This is what we've. This is. Let's be honest about it. I mean, Jay, let's bring you in. I mean, this is what we sacked Maurizio Pochettino for because we were crazy about trophies. We felt this was the time where Spurs have to now start to win. You know, we dared to do, we sacked Mauricio Pochettino, we brought Jose Mourinho in. It's all about trophies. How do you feel, Jay? You know, again, I, I know you were a, a massive Pochettino fan. Seeing that image and obviously, again, Pochettino still very, very closely connected to Tottenham in his heart. How did you see it? Yeah, well, firstly, it, it really did absolutely kill me because, you know, as everyone, you know, as I made it very clear, I was I absolutely love Pochettino and, do you know, it's, it, it's really difficult watching Liverpool right now because you, you look at obviously their manager Jurgen Klopp and you just he just I'm going to say it, he gets it. You know, he, he really understands the club. He understands what it means to be a Liverpool fan. He understands everything about the club, and they're so lucky to have a manager like that. But Spurs had the exact same in Mauricio Pochettino, and and that's why you know we loved him so much because you know really got everything that's what Spurs meant to the fans. You know, the, the history of the club, the, the traditions that we had, you know, he really was just a Tottenham Hotspur guy. And, and that's why I just loved him. And, you know, obviously that connection you have with him, you know, I, I remember him back, I was, you know, I was listening to a Liverpool fan speaking about them winning the league and kind of the, the period they've been in with, with Jurgen Klopp. You know, it was in those weeks leading up to the, the, the Champions League final, it was like, you know, it would mean everything to me to win that trophy but it's also thinking about how much I want Richard Pochettino to win it because you know we, we became so connected with him 
and and that's what just felt so special over those those last couple of years uh, under Pochettino. It's just having a manager that you could really connect to, and you know, just got everything out of the club. And yeah, um, it was it was very very difficult to to see him go. Um, as I made it clear, I, I you know I, I still would have stuck by him, whatever. But in the end, it was the right decision. You know, I'm really happy that Jose Mourinho's here. I think that, you know, in time, it's going to get a lot better under Jose Mourinho. I'm totally behind Jose Mourinho. And as Lee said, you know, hopefully we can enjoy some really successful years under Jose Mourinho. But look, with, with Pochettino, you can see, you know, from, from day one, you could, you know, as I said, he just got the club and, you know, you feel as though he is really connected to the club. And, you know, that, that him wearing that Spurs shirt, I think it was, I really believe it was genuine. You know, I, I really feel as though he... You know, as I said, he, he, he just really became a fan of the club. And um, I totally think we'll see him back one day. I really look forward to seeing him back. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, he can go and learn as a manager, develop as a manager. I think there's lots of areas where he, he, he needs to improve. Um, and hopefully when he comes back to Spurs, he'll be a, a better, well-rounded manager. And, yeah, I, I look forward to that day. But at the moment, you know, I'm really happy that Jose Mourinho's here and, you know, I'm fully behind him. Yeah, well, again, if reports are believed to be true, it looks like Maurizio Pochettino is a leading contender to land the Benfica job. So one to keep an eye on. Listen, let him go there for a couple of years. Let him win some trophies. I think we all feel the same, that we don't really want to see Maurizio back in this league at the moment. I think that would be quite hard to bear. But listen, we're all on the Jose Mourinho train. We all want him to succeed. He is the head coach. We want the trophies there. Craving, we want him to be coming. We are going to go for a very quick break and taking you into that break is Ben from Blades Pod who is previewing this week the game against Sheffield United, his thoughts and what type of team we're going to be expecting to see on Thursday. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this final break of the show where we're also going to be looking ahead to that huge game to come for Tottenham Hotspur against Sheffield United. The Opposition View Hello, last word on Spurs. My name is Ben. I am the host of Blades Pod, the Sheffield United podcast. Very privileged to give you a bit of a, a bit of a lowdown on Sheffield United ahead of uh, the game on Thursday night. Um, I'll start by giving you the probable starting lineup. We have played a very consistent team throughout the season. As it happens, post-lockdown, we've actually run into some injuries, which are kind of... Uh, yeah, broken up our continuity quite a lot, and we have definitely seen the effects of that. The main one, and the player who will probably not be playing on the, on Thursday, because missed every game so far, is Jack O'Connell, who is, uh, I would say, easily our best central defender. He's also such an important part of our attacks as well. The way he links up down the left with Ender Stevens and John Fleck is uh, is such a massive part of our game. You know, getting those triangles going, him himself getting uh, into the box around the outside, getting crosses in. So it's been a big miss. We've definitely, um, you know, coming out of the break, we definitely did not play well in the first three games. Bit more like it against Arsenal as we kind of uh, get some fitness levels up again. But yeah, it's uh, it's a big loss at both ends of the pitch with no Jack O'Connell. Um, in his place is Jack Robinson, who we signed from Forest in January. He's, uh, I mean, this is, he made his debut three games ago. Uh, looks a fairly solid backup, to be honest. Um, does have a long throw in as well, which is, has got some fans slightly excited that we you know may have some... Um, Stoke City vibes about us going forward. Uh, he actually created our goal against Arsenal, um, who, to be fair, do struggle against Stoke City in the past with a long throw in this weekend. So he's come in and done well. The rest of the back three, 
John Egan and Chris Basham on the right. We'll have Dean Henderson in goal on loan from Manchester United, having a fantastic season. Um, at wing-back, I think Ender Stevens will probably continue on the left, although he's, he's been really poor since we've come back from the lockdown. He's been having an incredible season, but has made some really basic mistakes and just looked completely off it since we resumed. So he will probably start, I would imagine, but possibly Ben Osborne will come in in that position. George Baldock will start on the right. In midfield, uh, John Fleck should continue on the left. He has been... Um, uh, he missed the first game and a half, really, with injury. Uh, so he's still getting back up to speed. Ollie Norwood is the sort of playmaker in the middle. Sander Berger will play on the right. He was a uh, uh, £22 million signing in January. Is uh, is definitely his best appearance um, so far for us uh, at the weekend in the FA Cup. So watch out for him. As for up front, it's always a bit of a... Um, uh, a mystery, really. We've, we've kind of chopped and changed all season. I would expect David McGoldrick, who had a goal disallowed, you may recall, at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier in the season. I expect he will start, and probably Ollie McBurney as well, who's kind of our, um, I guess, our, our, our main forward signing of the season. So, yeah, that's that's the starting lineup. If you know anything about Sheffield United, we do play with uh, a back three and wing backs. The wing backs get forward at every opportunity. It really is a three-five-two. Um, and we do some interesting things with sort of positional rotation. You will see McGoldrick, you know, plays as a striker, but he will drop into midfield. He'll drop into sort of, you know, almost left back at times. And we, you know, push the push the wing backs and the outside centre backs forward and just try and create this kind of organised chaos where we commit a lot of men forward. And yeah, it, it does become difficult to uh, to defend against. We don't have hugely technical players across the entire team, so our uh, our good moments come from this kind of controlled play where we. Uh, uh, we get unusual players in unusual positions, I suppose. Um, as to the game, we've uh, obviously come out of the lockdown in pretty terrible form, to be honest. We, uh, well, drew in inverted commas with Aston Villa, where our, our goal that crossed the line was uh, mysteriously not given by Hawkeye and the goal line technology system. Um, but then we got hammered by Newcastle in an atrocious performance. Uh, lost 3-0 at Man United, where we were completely outplayed, although not really a great shame in that, to be honest. It was 30 degrees heat as well, which didn't help us, I don't think. Um, a much better performance against Arsenal at the weekend, as I said. Still lost, but we were kind of, uh, you know, we'd we put sort of put all our eggs in the basket of uh, getting an equaliser, and I think we we're just rolling the dice to try and win the game in normal time and got stung right at the end. So performances are picking up, but you've got to acknowledge Spurs are, um, you know, a team with uh, much better quality players, frankly. Uh, you know, it's, it's been kind of amazing that we've been ahead of Spurs so much this season. I think it's really, you know, really... I know Spurs have had a slightly tricky time for the first few months of the season, but it does speak to how well we have done, I think. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I think Spurs benefit from the break, and we definitely have not. You know, get, uh, get Kane back, get Son back. It is also nine days since Spurs' last game, I know, whereas we have played four games in ten days. I know Spurs are about to do that themselves, but unfortunately for us, we are game number one of that four-game stretch. So, yeah, I think um, you know, I think you will have the better players. The fresh legs will definitely tell. Lack of crowd is not going to help us at all at Bramall Lane, I don't think. So, I think it probably will be an away win, uh, but I'm hopeful we'll put in another good performance. So, I will go 2-1 to Tottenham Hotspur. The Opposition View. Hello and welcome back to the final segment of The Last Word on Spurs. Looking ahead to the huge, huge game against Sheffield United to come. Now, before we do look ahead to Sheffield United, Jose Mourinho, after the game against West Ham, 
had his say. Bit of a moan in terms of the fixture scheduling. Wasn't impressed at all in terms of the case that for Tottenham, we have now got to travel up to Sheffield United for the match on Thursday. And then four days later, host Everton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Three days after that, they then travel to Bournemouth. And then less than three full days after that, we welcome Arsenal for a North London derby. And in contrast, Arsenal will get an extra two days rest before that Sunday derby because they host Leicester on the Tuesday. Mourinho did admit, as I mentioned before, that you know, in a case where Tottenham went for that nine-day break between hand, he wasn't a fan of the scheduling. And that was Mourinho's take on it. But a big game for Spurs. Massive, massive game. This game against Sheffield United. And in a way, I mean, this was the game, Dan, that saw the end for Maurizio Pochettino. But for Jose Mourinho, you feel this game is just as crucial with Tottenham to try and maintain this chase for Champions League football. What's your thoughts going into it against a Sheffield United team that really, I mean, they're out of form at the moment. Yeah, I'm excited about it, really. I think it's pretty make or break for the rest of the season. Um, it's not ideal scheduling going forward, um, especially with the Arsenal game at the end of a three-day, three, three, three week game. Sorry. Um, but I think it could uh, be to our advantage. I think we saw in the Bundesliga where everyone had their first game back and they were able to, to dust off the cobwebs and then they had a, a break and then they went back, went straight back in. I think the what made Sheffield has made Sheffield United so good over the course of the season and we saw it in that last game or last Poch game was that they were full of energy and that that seems to have gone uh, they've also got injury problems um i they they'd be in big big trouble if they were to lose four games in a row um and we should be much fresher um i watched their game against arsenal and their their threat came from a long ball long throws uh, so we'll need to be alive to that. But I think our boys will be really raring to go. I think they'll know that this is now when we need to start picking up the results, building on from West Ham, which I think would have been a big confidence boost for everyone. Before the break, as good as Sheffield United were, I think even their home form wasn't as good as their away form, um, which is surprising given it can get quite tasty up there. But we can also take advantage of the, the empty stadium. Um I think it's it's a must win. <laughs> must win is a phrase that's probably overused, uh, but it's getting very congested up there. We're seeing the we're seeing Man United picking up points. We're seeing Wolves winning a lot. Um, there's not much of a cushion with Arsenal ahead of that game, so um, I think we'll we'll be fine. But we have to be fine. <laughs> Dan, quick five questions for you here. We've got to try and fit these in. One of our own, Jason yep. McGovern, says, "Be brave or hide and hope." How are we approaching this one? I think as we've as we've been playing, I think we've all taken a lot of hope from uh, the the solidity we've finally shown this season, thirty games in, uh, which is absolutely what you need when you're going up to Bramall Lane. Um, keep that solid back four. I mean, before I think Dyer's probably going to get banned at some point. Um, but yeah, you'd stick you'd stick with the same back four. Um, you want Lacelso to build on his West Ham performance, which was great, deserved man of the match. Uh, everyone else should be fresh, um, not aware of any new injuries. Um, I think they'll be up for it. I don't see why not. I think they've they've shown that from the the first minute against Man United. Um, they've been ready. They've been ready for this return. Uh, they want to. They know they've undersold themselves for the rest of the season and they're up against a really on what will be an unconfident side 
we've seen it over the years where we give confidence to a team that is the worst possible thing to do. So we need to make sure that we, we get them under the cosh from the off. So I'd agree with Jason there that, you know, give them a message from the start and then hopefully build from that. Lee, coming around to you, we've seen Sheffield United really falter upon the resumption of the domestic duties, failing to win in four, during three. Yeah. That dip in form has actually seen Spurs, you know, they've, they've dropped below us in the table, but a win for them will see us go, that will see Sheffield United go above Tottenham. But when you take into account Chris Wilder, the experience of him as a manager, over 900 games, and he's built his sides to really press high, and they're collectively good as a team, rather than relying on individual abilities. And you look at their games where, you know, they drew 0-0 against Aston Villa, which you could argue they should have probably won that game because they had that awful VAR decision and the goal line technology not working. And then you look at the case where they lost two successive away matches, 3-0 to both Newcastle and Man United. And against Newcastle, they played for over an hour with 10 men after centre-back Egan was sent off for a soft yellow card. So I do feel in a way that maybe results in the Premier League hasn't really told the true reflection since they've come back. How do you think Spurs will approach this game up at Bramall Lane? Yeah, you make some really interesting points. I mean, you look at the form guard, for example, and just going back for a couple of games before... Um, the, you know the, the the essential break, and you know they drew um, at home against Brighton one one. Um, they beat Norwich only one nil. Um, they're obviously bottom of the league, and then they've as you just said, them other fixtures that you just said nil nil Villa three nil away to Newcastle uh, loss, and a three nil away to Manchester United loss. They've shipped a lot of goals. They don't score goals. That's the problem. You, you look at their season so far. Um, you know they've they've won one game in their last five Premier League matches. Our form, by the way, is, is very similar. We've won one game in the last five matches, uh, which is uh, which is quite interesting. But the difference being is that we're kind of almost on the up. We lost to Chelsea. That's horrific. That Wolves match, we had 66% of the ball, um, double the amount of passes that we had with more shots on target, more shots off target. We ended up losing 3-2. Uh, Burnley game was, let's just forget about that. It's carnage. We got battered that game. Manchester United and West Ham, we've talked about on the pod already, that, you know, some, some decent performances. You know, we, we've only conceded one goal in 108 minutes of football. Um, and that was, that was due to a penalty. So, you know, the form guides are kind of the same, but, the opposite ends of the scale, if that makes sense. We're on the up there, kind of on the way down. And actually, when you look at the, the amount of goals that they've scored at home, uh, or average goals, uh, it's less than one goal. Average goal scored per match is less than one for them. So for, for me, you know, when Jace, one of our own, talks about, you know, uh, uh, hide and hope or have a go, for me, it's Harry, it's have a go this time around. Because you go and score two goals, you probably win the match. You score three goals, you definitely win the match. They don't, they, they don't concede a lot of goals, but they don't score a lot of goals either. And that's the point. You know, we're scoring 1.6 goals on average per match, uh, which is a huge stat actually under, under Jose because it was, it was about 1.1 on the potch. Just, just interestingly. So you, you look at that, you look at the form guide, you mentioned earlier, yeah, it's a soft yellow card. Yes, they should have got the ghost goal, but they didn't. And the reality is they didn't. And maybe they're still dwelling on that. But the reality is that they've lost four on the, uh, four on the bounce. They could lose another one on the bounce. That is, you know what this game's like, lads and, and, and listeners everywhere. You know, this is why we love football, because anything can happen. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we go and get battered 5 0 or whatever by them. But you know, I, I'm very confident, like Dan, I'm very confident. Egan was missing for the Manchester United game because he got sent off against Newcastle. I think he's back. But, um, Jamie, I think you're, you're about to tell me, um, I think it's Ludstrom, is it? I can't remember their name, but yeah. I think he, he might also be missing as well. Yeah. And, and the yeah. point that you've made, I think, is the critical point, Rick. The point that you've made is that 
Chris Wilder, of all of experience, he sets his teams up as teams, not as individuals. But as soon as a, a chess piece is missing out of that team, it, they're not the same outfit. They're not the same unit. And they've very been true. very, yeah. very, not lucky because you make your own luck and they've been brilliant this year. But they've been very fortunate with kind of different injuries or bands or whatever it might be. And I just don't think they're getting the rubber to green at the moment. So so hopefully it won't be a case of, um, you know, t- Tottenham rolling up there and it changing. But, you know, we're on the up. You know, we've got, I mean, our front six. And if you're not licking your lips when you read out our front six, please do the honours, Rick, please. Because you, you, you read out our front six and you've got to be licking your lips. Don't care if you're... If, if you're, you know, the most negative Spurs fan on the planet, you've got to be looking at that front six thinking, hello, there's goals there. Yeah, and, and like yeah. you say, there's there's no new, Dan said, there's no new injuries. Um, you know, we're going up there with a, with a full squad. Um, people That's if are the there dire and, and they are get announced in the next 24 hours, oh, yeah, which will yeah, probably happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but again, I agree with Dan. You, if 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 the dire ban don't uh, don't happen, I'd stick with the same back five. Mm. Um, that solidity, and and you know, I love my stats. I will be going mental in the stats books to find the last time we played the same back five for three games on the trot oh, generally because that has that not happened. I don't think I, I don't think that's happened for five years. No, I mean, it's so, a, that'd be a great um, trivia I, question. That would, that would be brilliant. I've, I've, don't worry, I'll find the answer for, for the next pod. But, you know, so I'm confident. I, I think we can go there and, and give them a, a very good match. And again, if we are brave, if we are to dare us to do, come back to Jason's point, then um, I think we win the match. Lee, quick fire questions. I know you're pressed for time. So I just want to quickly rattle through some of these. This is no, from right. the Footy Caff at the Footy Caff who says there's surely only one question. Will Mourinho finally play Sissoko, Tungi and Nambele, Gio as a free with Harry, Son and Stevie ahead of him? Quick fire. I've got one more I want to ask you. Uh, no, I don't think he'll play in Dembele. Okay, well, this is again a perfect one to set that up then. So THFC Shazza says, which midfield free should start the game in your opinion? Uh, I think quickfire will be Lo Celso, Sissoko and uh, Winks. Okay, brilliant. Jay, let's come over to you then, because as Lee mentioned there in terms of team news, when you look at Sheffield United, John Lundstrom and Jack O'Connor were both doubts for Sheffield United when they welcomed Spurs on Thursday. Lundstrom is awaiting the results of a scan after being forced off during the defeat to Arsenal in the FA Cup, which we've tried our best yeah. to not mention up until then, so please forgive us. But Chris Wilder, we're not expecting him to make wholesale changes because it's not a massive squad, as Lee touched upon. And when, as Lee says there, a chess piece is missing, it really does affect mm. quite a small squad they've got. So what kind of game are you expecting up at Bramall Lane on Thursday? Yeah, well, obviously, firstly, I mean, Lundstrom's obviously been a very crucial player for them this season. So, obviously, that's a big blow for them. And, and really, it just adds to the, the fact, no excuses for Tottenham. You know, we, we come in in, in, in in confident form. Of course, we finally ended that win, uh, that, that streak of seven games with that win. So, obviously, that's out the way now. And then, of course, Sheffield United are in, in completely contrasting form. They've picked up one point from their, their first three matches back. You know, they, they just look a complete shadow of the, of the side that they once were. You know, as Dan said, you know, they're just lacking that energy that they they were, they were they've really been so good at this season. And, um, you know, of course, as, as we mentioned, we've had that break as well now. You know, that's the, this has been really cru- crucial for us in terms of refreshing. You know, maybe towards the end of that West Ham game, we did look really tired. Same against Manchester United. So we've had that break now to kind of really get ready for this. And, and Sheffield United really haven't. They, of course, had that FA Cup match. Um, so this has to be a game that Spurs have to go and win now. And of course, you know, with it being as tight up there, to, you know, in terms of the European places, it has to be a must-win game for us. Um, but yeah, as I said, look, no excuses now. You know, you want to go and see Jose Mourinho. 
maybe a lot more flashes of, um, you know, attacking football. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of how Sheffield United do set up. You know, against West Ham, we, you know, we, we did try to go forward, but it was difficult at times to break them down. So, yeah, just, you know, you just hope that given that there's probably going to be a bit of fatigue in their legs, we've been rested, that, that it sh- we should be able to break them down. But <laughs> as we know, you know, that's never always the case with, uh, with Tottenham. Dan, loads of quick-fire questions I want to ask you. This is from Jacob Meredith, who says, Would the pace of Mora be a better tactical choice than Kane, in brackets, allowing him to rest? I mean, thoughts on that, Dan? Can you see Spurs resting Harry Kane, where all these games we keep saying are cup finals? Yeah, well, just as we saw in the Champions League final, I think he's going to start. Um, this is the time where he will be feeling most fresh, so he would be most frustrated not to not to start. I think Lucas can be a great sub. I think he'll get more joy than against some team like West Ham that will sit back and he can use his pace to get in behind. So I'd bring him on later. I wouldn't necessarily play Kane for the full 90 if he's if he's struggling like he was at the United game, but I think he's he's um, he's a different beast. He's the beast that we know and love. Uh, so you've got to start him. OK, let's go back round to Lee. Lee, this is from Aiden. Big fan of the show, Aiden. I hope you're well. Aiden asked the question, Bergvine or Lucas for the right wing position? Who's your pick? He says that his is Bergvine as he's a better technical player as he pushes more centrally, allowing Aurea to have the wing to himself. Lee, who's for you in terms of that pick for right wing? Yeah, nice work. I mean, I think you know if it's between them two players, then I'd go with um, I'd go with Berge as well. To be honest, uh, I think that he's come on. Um, he's he's full of energy. He's full of pace. He can play left. He can play on the right. He can go at the top. He's scored already again in uh, since since the restart. Um, and he's got he's got all the attributes I think to, to to really drive that that team going forward. I think the difficulty with a Lucas and a, and a Berge in this particular match is how much you're going to have in the ball. And, and you know Jamie just mentioned about difficult to break West Ham down when you've when you've got the ball you can't counterattack because you've got the ball. So, you know, by, by its own definition, it can't be a counterattack, can it? Because you've got the ball. So so the reality is if we're going to go go to Sheffield United and get 65% of the ball, then the you know, majority of the time, we're not going to be counterattacking. So, so actually, do you then need players that are in the squad inside playing in in that in that midfield or that front three like a Deli Ali and a, and a, and Dembele and a Celso that are going to get in between the lines put passes in between the lines because you know Bergie and a Lucas they're the guys that are going to run at you they're the guys that are going to you know drop a shoulder and maybe go past you um, so so um, and certainly on the counter attack they've got per, pace to burn uh, you know in behind type type thing as a Sonny so I think it's again this is what I love about Jose. You know, I love Pochettino. I love the swashbuckling football. I, I can't put that on the record anymore. You don't need to know that. You hear me say it every week. But but what I love about Jose is he does change it up tactically for every different match that we go into. And I think that was one of the, the, the bits that Jamie was alluding to under Poch where he, he probably needs to learn that. Well, Jose's got it in his locker, mate. You know, for for, for the last twenty years. So, so I think that you know, depending on how we, uh, how they set up and how they play, it's going to be dependent on what we do. My my, my feeling would be that we're probably going to have more of the ball than than not, as the case may be. And I think we need to we need to get on the front foot, foot sorry, and attack them. And therefore, that front six that we were talking about before, who who, who gets them berths, um, you know, at p- probably four out of them six. Is going to be uh, is going to be critical to we go and score first. I think we're in the game comfortably. So uh, for for me, it's about picking the right players uh, and and Kane 
he's got 185 minutes of football under his belt since a six-month layoff, and he scored. Mate, the guy's going to be on fire. I'm bagging him to take two. Okay, brilliant. Jay, let's come around to you. We've got some more listener questions. I want to try and finish these up. I'm going to ask you two, if you don't mind. This is from Ben Jones at BenJones85, who says, Does Delhi start? Question mark. Felt harsh on Lamella and Burvine getting dropped last game. And don't think Delhi and Lucas did enough against West Ham to warrant to keep their place. And also, another one here. This is from Billy McGon at Billy the Yido, who says, Will Jose change to 4-3-3 to accommodate Tsungyun Nimbele, or will he only do that if we are cruising in the match? So two questions there, Jay. Do our mm. best to try and ramp them up if you can for us. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think he'll stick with what he's been going with, kind of with those two central midfielders. It's really worked for him. You know, the, the, the two guys that have been in there, Lo Celso uh, and Sissoko, and then, of course, Winks uh, against Manchester United. So that's really worked for him. So I think he'll kind of stick with the, maybe a 4-2-3-1 uh, system. Um, I think Deli Ali will start. I mean, look, it was. I, th- I think with Lamella, it was. You know, we, we touched on a couple of times in that Manchester United game. It was frustrating. There was just times when he got into really great positions. It was just not. He didn't really know have that kind of that killer pass. And and as we said, you know, it's all it's all going to be out unlocking uh, Sheffield United on, on Thursday. And um, you know, I, I I just question whether Lamella's kind of got that ability to maybe unlock a defence. I mean. You know, we saw against uh, West Ham how well he did coming off the bench. So maybe that's something that we kind of save for later on. You know, that energy of Lamella, you know, it, it comes out, it really comes out the blocks. You know, we saw when he dispossessed uh, one of the West Ham players later on in the game. And then, of course, he went up the other end and scored. So, you know, maybe you'd save Lamella for later on. But but for me, I think that Delhi's kind of more of a, a better technical player. I think he's a guy that would be able to unlock a, a Sheffield United defence. So... So for me, I, I think we'll see Delhi keeping his place, and I think Bergvine, uh, Bergvine will start along with Son and, and then Kane up front. There you go. Jay's giving us his team. Let's go ahead then and do the predictions. Dan, let's start with you. Been a brilliant debut. Tell us what you think the, your result will be against Sheffield United on Thursday. I'll go two-one win. Uh, Lascelles' first Premier League goal, and as I alluded to earlier, an inevitable long throw. Goal to concede and make it nerve-wracking at the end. Wouldn't be Tottenham if it wasn't going to be that, Dan, would it? Wouldn't it be Tottenham, Good work, Dan? Dan. I love it. Been a brilliant debut, Dan. Thank you so much. Let's go around to Lee. Lee, big game. Cup finals. We talk about them Massive seven to go. What's the prediction, huge. Lee, for this one? Huge. Well, th- th- this is the conditioning of that winning mentality. The, not this particular game, but these these next seven games and the two previous to that. You know, Joe says that his, his mini preseason, as we've talked about before. This is where it happens, lads. This is this is listeners. This is what it's all about. Go out there on the pitch and get the job done. You know, I'm not talking about Sheffield United having 65 percent of possession. I'm talking about Tottenham going out there, getting a goal in the first 10, 15 minutes. At crucial times, getting them, getting them, getting our nose in front and getting them goals. First 10, 15 minutes, one nil up. Stroke of half time, or just after half time, game over. I think we'll win three one. I'm bagging, uh, um, backing Harry Kane to get a brace. Um, and and weirdly enough, I think Davison Sanchez will score. That's just a weird one, but three one Tottenham Hotspur. There you go. That's a, I mean, that might be worth putting some money on Dan Labrook. Davison Sanchez, first scorer. You can thank Lee McQueen after, at Lee McQueen. Go and tell him once you've got your winnings for Davison Sanchez. Is that scoring first or just scoring in the game? Mate, you must get decent odds from just scoring in the game. So <laughs> I'll just go with, with scoring in the game. But yeah, I think a 3-1 Spurs win. Davison to score. Come on, Davison. Come on, Davison. There you go. And that would mean for Spurs. I mean, that would be back-to-back Premier League wins, unbeaten in 
three, four games, and things will be looking up. Jay, are you going to keep on the trend? What yeah. do you think we're going to have against Sheffield United? Yeah, look, I, I, as I've said a couple of times in the show, I've been really impressed how we've worked defensively. You know, the, the likes of Eric Dyer and Damson Sanchez have come in and, and have really formed a, a good partnership. I mean, look, look I don't want to get too, too carried away just yet. Um, but from kind of what we've seen so far, I've been really impressed. Um, I kind of, I'm backing us to, to go and keep a clean sheet against Sheffield United. Um, I think Harry Kane, as I said, against West Ham, he was, you know, he's getting lots more shots off. Um, there were signs of Harry Kane kind of getting back to his best. So, yeah, I'm going to go for two Harry Kane goals for, for Spurs. I'll go for a 2-0 win for Spurs. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 Tottenham win. I honestly think we can go back-to-back clean sheets. That's what this Jose Mourinho factor is doing to me. It must be crazy going for back-to-back clean sheets. But there you go, the full panel predicting a win for Tottenham. <laughs> It'll be back-to-back wins. It will mean Spurs are still in the hunt for Champions League football just. But you do feel anything but a win. And it's going to be very, very tricky. My thanks to a wonderful debut from Dan from Lily White Rose. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure's mine. Oh, you've been a star. Lee McQueen, back. The dulcet tones of Lee McQueen on the last word on Spurs. Lee, thank you as always. Beautiful. Cheers, Rick. Cheers, lads. Enjoyed that. Well done, Dan. And uh, thanks, listeners, for listening. And come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs from Lee McQueen there. And Jay, thank you as always. We won't say Jose Mourinho spokesman, I promise. (laughs) <laughs> no, my, look, my pleasure, and of course, <laughs> no, my pleasure, and of course, you know, we're all looking forward to Thursday. You know, it, it feels like it's been quite a long time since that West Ham game, so yeah, looking forward to, to having Spurs back again. Yep, agree. Our second show of free this week, like I say, bringing you fresh guests every single week, along with our regulars, our wonderful panel regulars. Thank you for all your support. Obviously, we had the Paul Stewart show go out over the weekend. If you haven't checked that out. Brilliant show with Paul Stewart. Hopefully we're going to be discussing another Tottenham win come Friday. Thank you for your support. As always, come on you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network.